Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is the place to connect to who you truly are. We're bringing PhDs, experts, and leaders to help you elevate your mindset in your work life and in your love life so that you can see things differently and truly love your world. I'm Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, author, and TEDx speechwriter and booker, and I'm excited to bring you in to this week's episode. Okay, U-Turn friends, you know how much I love bringing a friend onto the show, and Vasavi Kumar is very loved in my friend group and very wise, and she has a new book that is out um, May 2023 called Say It Out Loud, Using the Power of Your Voice to Listen in Your Deepest Thoughts, um, Listen to Your Deepest Thoughts, and Courageously Pursue Your Dreams. So Obviously, I have a lot of questions for her. She's a life coach, a licensed therapist with a myriad of in-person, print, televised, social media experiences. She's a first-generation Indian-American growing up on Long Island, and she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 20. Um, So she learned, you know, as part of her healing to become extremely self-aware and to take a lot of action to create the life that she wants. So now she lives in Austin. Last time I was with her, I was dancing on a boat with her. So this is a different setting that we're in. And so we are going to talk about her approach to personal development, which is all about saying it out loud. You guessed it right. Um, And different ways that we can start to get more comfortable with ourselves and talking to ourselves and getting answers from ourselves, channeling our own wisdom. So this is all about how to channel your own wisdom 101. Vasavi, thank you for coming on the show. Actually, that was like the best intro I've ever heard. You actually summarized my book way better than I've been doing. So Really? Yes, like the way you just said it about channeling, like I say it in my book, but I've written this book and I've been through the process. So now when you know people ask me, what's your book about? I'm like, it's a book that teaches you how to talk to yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? There, there's something to that because my mom used to talk to herself when I was a little kid and I used to make fun of her and now she catches me talking to myself. So we might as well have a freaking book to be effective about it. Yes. You know, I can't believe that your mom used to. So she used to talk out loud to herself. Yeah, but she didn't know she was doing it. It was like, especially if there's a conflict, she'd be like replaying the situation, like obsessive yeah. thinking. And now I do the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's hard to read label when you're inside the jar. It's hard to describe your own stuff. So yeah. um, I'm so excited for you. Congrats on the book. And um, I'm you. sure you've been podcasting your face off. So welcome to another one. But this one's going to be special. I keep saying, you know. I'm affectionately called the queen of saying it out loud, but all I want to do is shut the hell up right now. I've been talking so much. <laughs> Your I next book to- is like, <laughs> shut up. It's basically Stop just, saying anything. No, it's actually going to be called bury it deep. Just yeah. bury it deep. Don't <laughs> say anything. I'm kidding. Maybe. We'll see. Well, okay. I want to ask you some very random questions before I even get into your modality around how to be effective talking to yourself. Cause I think this is really cool. And actually we had Ethan. Okay. I'm going to, I'm not remembering his last name, but he wrote chatter. And um, there was a lot of under his body of work as a professor and as a PhD, there was a lot of work he had around the value of talking to yourself. Um, I know the most powerful form of therapy that I've studied as a master's in psychology was Gestalt therapy. Mm -hmm. The philosopher Gestalt, you know, was all about having a conversation with different aspects of yourself. So you're really entering a conversation that is through a world of a modality that is super needed. So, okay. My question for you first, before we even get into that is around bipolar disorder. I feel like there's so many random ways we can find out about ourselves. And I know ADHD is commonly misdiagnosed as bipolar and vice versa. 
Can you just give a little overview for anyone on what were some of the things that looking back would have been helpful for you to kind of highlight, notice, and accept to get to that diagnosis maybe sooner and support yourself in healing even sooner, just for people who are listening that maybe have it and don't know? Yes. I, you know, here's the thing. When I was diagnosed, I was 19. So I was a sophomore in college. And when I went away to college, I went buck wild, right? Because I was raised in an Indian immigrant household. We are Brahmins. Our family is like the equivalent of Orthodox Jews. And I grew up in a very conservative household, very sheltered. Um, I wasn't really allowed to do much, um, but I always found a way because I just, you know, yelled it out loud that I was going to do it anyway. But when I went away to college, that level of freedom really like I didn't know what to do with that kind of freedom because I was never given that freedom. So I started using drugs almost immediately in college. Mm -hmm. I started, you know, first started smoking weed and then I started drinking a lot more because we're in college. And I remember losing my virginity when mm -hmm. I was 19. And I remember having multiple sexual partners within two weeks. And I knew, like, I'm like, this is not how I was raised. What am I doing? This is not me. And then I remember taking a psychology course and reading all about mood disorders. And I'm like, wait, I have bipolar disorder. I'm literally doing all these things underneath mania, right? Rushed speech, excessive spending, substance abuse, lack of sleep, sexual promiscuity, all these things. What I wish I would have known prior to having put myself through all of that is, um, I wish I would have learned how to channel my energy right. because when I was a child, I was extremely exuberant. I still am very effervescent, like seltzer water. And I don't think my parents knew how to handle how to handle the bigness of me. And so they just did what they knew and which is to like, stop me, silence mm -hmm. me. No, like soften the edges a little bit, Voss. Don't be too much, Voss. And so, you know, and then you try to shelter me. And then I go away to college and I go nuts. And then I'm diagnosed with this, you know, uh, diagnosis. So what, what, what I wish, you know, I wish from day one, I would have been accepted in the fullness of my humanity. That's what I, you know, wish, but we, you know, that hasn't happened. But now what I, what I want to say to anyone who may be struggling and maybe a classic textbook case is there's absolutely no shame in going to a psychiatrist. There's absolutely no shame in, you know, taking the test, whatever that is, to see what's going on. There's absolutely no shame in getting on meds. I've recently, and I'm, I'm open about this, I've had a love-hate relationship with mood stabilizers for 21 years. I actually decided just April 1st to get back on a very low dosage of mood stabilizers. And actually, it's been about a month now, uh, um, a little over a month since I've been on mood stabilizers. Best decision I could have made in this yeah. season of my life. Yeah. You know, I think that people sometimes have this stigma where if you have some sort of chemical imbalance or something going on that you're going to take medicine and it's going to make you into like a zombie or something. When the truth is, if you have an, in if you have some sort of gap going on in your chemistry, that the medicine is going to fill it in a way, the right medicine that's going to yes. bring you home to yourself. That's like such a powerful U-turn. And so I'm, I've become such an advocate for people to take medication when they need it. I think that it's very toxic in the self-development mm -hmm. space, yeah. how much medication is frowned upon when there are real people out there that truly need that. And it's not their fault. They were born with some sort of gap. Here's a question that I have. Like you were talking about kind of going through the list of bipolar stuff mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, this is me. But I know that everybody's going to have their own little flavor of how they show up in it, right? Like not everyone is going to have the sexual pro promiscuity. Maybe they're going to go on a shopping spree. Maybe they're mm -hmm. um, going to be like obsessed 
with this new project mm-hmm. and they like put all their time in and they don't sleep over it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing that I've come to learn in my growth uh, with mental health, and this feels personal to share, but I feel like you're the perfect person to talk to about it because I was talking to you about this a little bit when we were on our boat. And then I had a couple of drinks. It was like dancing and gyrating. So who knows what happened with that conversation? But was I fell in love with somebody uh, a long time ago who I helped diagnose with bipolar disorder, and he was not ready to get help. He was not ready to work with it. I had a belief that, you know, that if he got medication, if he got help, it would be over and he would be moving on. And I think with a lot of mental health conditions, a lot of people think, if I just get this Band-Aid, this thing is no longer a challenge that I'm facing. This thing no longer exists. But the truth of the matter is that it takes real effort, devotion, commitment. And I know that you have that. Um, So what it took for me to realize I can't be with this person was not that they had any sort of condition, but they la- the lack of commitment to stabilizing themselves. And I think a lot of people, they know what they know, and they spend the, the whole day trying not to know it because it's so freaking inconvenient, to be honest with yourself sometimes. Um, so what would you have to say for someone who maybe they are thinking, maybe I have bipolar or ADHD, or, um, or maybe it's their partner that has it, and they're thinking like, I feel kind of hopeless because there's this disconnect going on. Um, What would be your message on how to confidently face it, dance with it, work with it? Because I see you as someone who's so devoted that you can call in a partner and create a relationship with a level of stability that someone who's not going to get support can probably cannot create. Um, And I want that for everyone. I want fulfillment, happiness, peace. Like, What would be your feedback on how to face it? My friend, are you ready to stay hydrated this summer? I have something for you. Grapefruit salt from Element. It's L-M-N-T. Because healthy hydration isn't just about drinking water. It's about water and electrolytes. It makes sense. You lose both water and sodium when you sweat. And both of those need to be replaced to prevent muscle cramps, headaches, energy dips throughout the day. But most people only replace the water. So why is that? Well, since the 1940s, we've been told to drink eight glasses of water per day, thirsty or not. But drinking beyond your thirst is a bad idea. It actually dilutes your blood electrolyte levels, especially sodium, which leads to headaches, low energy, cramps, confusion, or worse. So this low sodium situation called hyponatremia is super common among endurance athletes, And the solution is not to stop drinking water either. It's to drink water with electrolytes. That is where LMNT, my favorite brand for electrolytes, has you covered. So former research biochemist Rob Wolf and KetoGains co-founder Louis Villasenor formulated Element to provide the optimal ratios of sodium, potassium, and magnesium for health, performance, and energy. They also formulated Element to please your palate. It tastes so good. Try orange salt, citrus salt, watermelon salt, or you can experiment with five other flavors like this summer's grapefruit. I even like to put Element's chocolate flavor into my coffee in the morning sometimes. So Element just gave us a really fun offer. All you have to go do is head on over to drinkelement.com slash Ashley Stahl. That's D-R-I-N-K. L-M-N-T dot com slash A-S-H-L-E-Y 
S-T-A-H-L to receive a free sample pack of every flavor with your first purchase. My personal favorite is the watermelon and the lime. Again, that's drinkelement.com slash Ashley Stahl. Your salty little summer starts now. So when it comes to oneself, um, you know, I, once again, there is no shame in getting help. I had a moment. So I do all the things, right? I, I, I have been on and off medication, like I said, for 20 years. I hadn't been on medication for the past three years. I got sober four years ago from cocaine. And then a year later, I, I weaned off my medication and I said, okay, I'm sober. I'm not using any drugs. I don't need medication. I'm stable. And so I really duped it out these past three years. And I was white knuckle gripping it these past three years. I just realized how much I was holding on for dear life. I did the most, right? I walk every day. I take my vitamins and supplements. I have great boundaries, excellent friendships. You and I have a, you know, few mutual friends in common. We have great friends. Um, I know my triggers. I, I'm very self-aware. I have a great support system. And one day I was washing dishes. It was peaceful. I had like John Mayer playing in the background, washing dishes. And my mind starts attacking me. And it's these intrusive thoughts, right? They're just, just, just coming in and attacking me and trying to, trying, to, trying to mess with me. It's my mind messing with me. And I said this out loud. I said, it should not be this hard to feel this good. It shouldn't be this hard to feel good when I am doing everything. I am doing everything to keep my sanity and to keep my internal peace and serenity. And so that was the moment when I was like, I'm done. I'm done trying so hard to feel so good. Like I need a little something, something. So I share all of this to say is that you have to be honest with yourself. Number one. Number two, we have to decondition ourselves from the belief that we are weak if we seek help. I am definitely someone, I was raised, like I said, in an immigrant household. My mother is a very strong woman. Her motto was don't ask anyone for help, right? Be hyper-independent, which is a trauma response, being hyper-independent. And so for me, getting back on meds was a sign of weakness. So for the person listening who thinks they might have bipolar disorder, I want you to give yourself the permission of getting support and being able to talk to someone who can help you. Maybe. And I'm not saying medication is the end all be all. I'm just saying if you find yourself doing all of these things holistically to support you and you're still not finding relief, like my mind was attacking me, I would cause fights with my sister. I would cause fights with my mom. And I'm like, I'm too old to be fighting with my sister. I love my sister. I love my mother. And so I decided for the sanctity of me and the sanctity of my relationships, because I didn't want to burn it down because I can do that when I when I go there, when my mind goes there. I decided to get on a little small something. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are supporting someone, you know, when I was married, I was married to a very wonderful man named Ashish and Ashish. And we got together and when we started dating and he wanted to learn all about bipolar disorder. So I was very blessed that I had a partner who was super Indian. Like he's very, very Indian. And, and when I say that, like, you know, he's like straight from India and he was, <laughs> he was so open to learning about bipolar disorder. So I remember buying him a book that said, um, loving your partner with bipolar disorder. I forgot what the name of the book is. It's like being married to someone with bipolar disorder. Anyway, he, he, he was willing to learn about me. And that's really important. I have never been in that situation where I was dating someone who had bipolar disorder. I've dated addicts though. Yeah. I, have date, I have dated addicts. And this is what I want to say from my own personal perspective. You got to maintain your peace and sanity. I tried to help the people that I dated, you know, after my husband, who were addicts. And I became that way. 
Mm. And so what I want to say is you can only bring someone to the water. You, I mean, like you can only bring a horse to the water. You can't make the horse drink the water, right? You can only offer the information. You can only offer the support, even be willing to like go to the therapy sessions, make the appointments. You can do that for another, but no amount of sustainable change is going to take place unless the person themselves says, I need help. Right. I need help. Right. So they have to admit it on their own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so interesting because I feel like there's the addiction and then there's the person who, you know, if, if you've read books like codependent, no more by Melanie, yeah. Bay, which I'm sure you've read plenty of that. And everyone, yes. after you're done reading, say it out loud, <laughs> codependent, no more. That's part two. But yeah, it's like, there's an addiction in being a rescuer too, right? And the fact that you're sitting here saying, I face something and you've devoted so much of your time, energy to honesty, to healing. It's like, I don't know in life. It's like, does it matter what happens to us or does it matter what we do with it? You know, it's, it's, I mean, it all matters, but it's like really showing up for yourself. So I'm, I'm hearing and I'm seeing that talking to yourself out loud has been huge for your healing. Um, so I'd love just to equip people, whether they've got something going on with their mental health, whether they don't, mm-hmm. how can we take this, um, this concept? Why is it so important to talk to yourself? First of all, well, here's the thing. We're, we are always seeking for everyone else to pay attention to us. And not everyone's going to have the time or space to give you the attention that you need. I learned how to talk to myself because at least I knew I was listening. And so I always was listening to me. And how can we begin? Okay. So even in the simplest of ways, Ashley, it doesn't have to be if you're going through this major struggle. Listen, let's just think about everyday stuff. Have you ever had to go to Target, of course, and you have this laundry list of things that you need to buy and you just keep it in your head. You're like, okay, I got to get toilet paper. I got to get paper towels. I got to get a comb. I got to get some razors. You keep it in your head. Just even with being organized in our thinking and organized in our mind, saying it out loud, when, I do, when, I, when I'm like on my way, like heading into the Target, I'll say Vasavi, razor, toothpaste, lotion, this. And I'll say it out loud so I can hear myself saying the words. And then I process that and I store it. So even in the simplest of ways, talking out loud and hearing ourselves say that will help us stay more organized in our thinking. But on a deeper level, when we're really going through something, you know, and the reason why I bring this up, because I think about my uncle, Lakshmi Kumar, who I talk about in the acknowledgement section of my book, you know, on a much deeper level, I think about my uncle who took his own life when I was 10 years old. So that's 30 years old. I dedicated my in my in my acknowledgement section um, to my uncle. And I just want to read it. And then I want to answer your question. So I said in my acknowledgement section to my late uncle, Lakshmi Kumar, who took his life, I wish you had known how to talk to the voices in your head. Maybe then you would still be alive. Your suicide showed me what would happen if I didn't learn how to be kinder to myself. Your death saved my life. I will honor the life that you could have lived by continuing to share your story. So I say that because on a very extreme level, right, our voices can really convince us to, to do horrific things to ourselves. And when we ignore that, those other voices in us, the voice of God, the voice of intention, the voice of intuition, the voice of wisdom, the voice that just wants the best for us, we can let the louder voices take over. And so to slow our mind down and to start to access those wiser parts of us, we got to say out loud the other mean stuff that we're saying, because Ashley, I'm sure you're amazing giving advice to people. You're great at listening to someone be mean to themselves, not be kind, or, or say someone discouraging stuff. And you'd be the first person to say, don't talk like that. 
that's not kind to you, right? We're so good when we hear somebody else talking smack to themselves. And I'm suggesting we can be that way with ourselves when we say out loud the discouraging thing, the undermining thing, the belittling voice. And then when you hear that, you can say, wait a minute, no, I'm not going to talk to myself this way. And you can access another part of you. Essentially, when you hear yourself being unkind to yourself, you can, you can transcend beyond that ego viewpoint. You don't get stuck in it. You can actually say, wait a minute, I'm not talking to myself this way. You got to distance yourself from what you're feeling sometimes in order for you to tap into your logic. I'm sitting with what you're saying. And it's like, I'm sure people are hearing this and thinking to themselves, well, how do I even start talking to myself? Myself. Myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean hey, <laughs> truer words have never been spoken. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I say this in my book. I say this in chapter one. Okay. So I like you to have fun with it. If it's not fun, there's no point even doing this. So I talk about this in chapter one. Say your thoughts out loud. Um, name all the parts of yourself. Okay. So when I'm in an anxious state, I refer to that part of myself as vulnerable Vasavi. Because when Vasavi's feeling anxious, she is prone to making some really dumb decisions. Okay. She is, she is erratic. She is impulsive when she's anxious. And so I refer to that part of me as vulnerable Vasavi. This is the part of me that gets easily flustered and nervous when she feels like she's losing control of a situation. So in moments when vulnerable Vasavi needs to be heard, I talk to her out loud and gently ask, Vasavi, I'm here for you. Talk to me. What would help you feel safe in this moment? So I bring this up because, like I said, we all have different parts to us. And if you can name these different parts of yourself, you start to see that, yes, you have feelings. Yes, you have these thoughts. Yes, you have these parts of you. And that is not you in your entirety. But if you want to bring your full self to the table, your full self to business meetings, your full self on stage, your full self to a relationship, you got to know, you got to know every single part of you and have an intimate relationship with every single part of you. Because if not, there's always going to be one part of you that's hidden. Oh, I don't let anybody see this side of me. I don't, I mean, and it's not about like, okay, so for example, I have this part of me called Vixen Vasavi. Not everyone gets to see Vixen Vasavi, okay? So, I mean, that doesn't mean I'm going to come out here being Vixen, but she has a place in my life. She's not someone that I've rejected. Vixen Vasavi is very much alive. I don't bring her out whenever, but I bring her out at appropriate times, but at least she's not hidden from me. This is really about not hiding from the parts of yourself, is to see yourself and meet yourself eye to eye. Okay, so uh, first of all, Vixen Vasavi, that's really freaking incredible. Um, okay, so I think a lot of people, we as kids don't fit into the like mold mm -hmm. and we are shamed or we are, I don't know, like we get a lot of beliefs about ourselves that are mm -hmm. negative for who we are, where we're at, how we think, how we operate, because we don't fit the mold. And I, it's so weird because like, it makes no sense to me that all of us would fit, fit any mold. It feels like we're set up for failure unless yeah. we have that can really communicate and celebrate how different we are. Mm -hmm. Um, how did the things that got you in trouble as a kid, how have you kind of transmuted those into power pieces for you now? Wow. So, well, obviously, you know, when I was a kid, my mom would say to me, Vachi chumare, Vachi chumare, in our language, Vachi is what my family calls me. Chumare in our language means shut up. 
It basically means close your mouth. I didn't listen to my mom's advice. So, you know, me not, um, me calling out the elephant in the room, that's what I got in trouble for growing up. Whenever my parents would fight, I would see the way my mother would talk to my father, which was very emasculating. And I would say to her, don't talk to him that way. And then I got in trouble for it. So what I got in trouble for as a kid was stating out the obvious, was stating out what was wrong. This is wrong. You don't treat people like that. And that has really helped me in my life and in my business because I do have a very strong uh, strong uh, foundation of integrity, which I've, I've, I've built. I've built this. I didn't always, I wasn't always a person of integrity. I had to become, I became this person because my life forced me to become a person of integrity if I wanted to heal and grow. Um, the other parts of myself that were often kind of um, silenced was I'm a very joyful, funny person. I say things that sometimes it can it can cross over like, Ooh, okay, you're being a little inappropriate, but people love it. It works when I do stand-up comedy. It works when I'm hosting. Like I hosted our good friend Nita's book launch party. And when she asked me to be the host, I was like, really? She's like, girl, she's like, you're the only one that I would want to do it. You know, she's like, you get up there. You don't care what anybody thinks. You're just so funny. You're so loving. And it's like these parts of me that were too much for the adults in my life are now, I'm getting paid for now. Yeah. I'm getting paid to host. I'm getting paid to speak. I'm getting paid to like, you know, get back on camera and doing like branded spokesperson stuff. Like that's the stuff. Like when I was a kid, I wouldn't go to sleep because I would walk around with an imaginary mic singing songs. Like I'm no Beyonce. Trust me. I'm not a singer, but that perform, like, I was a performer as a kid, but but, you know, in our culture, Indian culture and, you know, with, with girls, especially, it's like, no, we don't go down that road. But now, you know, 2023, we have a lot of South Asians out there. Brown power, hashtag brown power being out there in entertainment. So it's really given me a lot of hope for what's next for me. Yeah. Mm, OK, yeah. so let's say somebody's listening to us right now and they're like, you know what, I'm going to start talking to myself out loud. What are some of your tips to kind of ease into this? And um, and how do you get productive with it? Because there's like a just getting comfortable with being like I'm gonna talk to myself in my room right now, which yeah. I'm unusually comfortable with. Yeah. Um. But how do you be productive with it? Like, how do you move it along? So here's I want to I want to cater this to your audience because you're the U-turn podcast. It's really all about our life and our career. You know, as you know, um, I have a very colorful career. I've had uh, I've gone from my master's in special ed to working in India, survivors with survivors of sex trafficking. Got a master's in social work at Columbia. Then became a coach, went to plant-based culinary school, became a yoga teacher, have TV experience for over 10 years, radio host, podcast host, and now voiceover artist. And now I'm an author. Every single one of these U-turns, I was able to make them by talking to myself out loud. I pay attention to the spark in my body. And then I say out loud, oh, that feels good. That feels good. And I let myself sink into that feeling. And I talk to myself through it. And of course, I have voices in my head and I want everyone hearing this. When you want to do something, if something piques your interest, if it's a workshop, if it's a class, if it's whatever, and you're like, yeah, I really want to do that. Notice how quickly after that voice comes in and says, nah, that's a dumb idea. No, that's a waste of money. Let's not do that. See, in those times, that's exactly when you can talk out loud and you can say and you can talk back to that voice in your head. You know, as kids, we're taught not to talk back to your elders. And essentially what ends up happening is we end up just saying yes to everything. And then the, and then those same voices dominate us throughout our life. So I'm suggesting that you talk back to that discouraging voice in your head or that voice in your head that's like, you're not that smart. Why are you going to do that? Oh, my God, no one's ever going to hire you. You got to question those voices in your head if you want to be able to make those U-turns 
in your life because you don't have to do the same thing throughout your whole life. You get to decide, you get to make different you know, choices in your life and change and make those U-turns. So the most productive thing that I would say is, especially when you're like gearing up for a talk, when you're gearing up for an interview, when you're gearing up for a difficult conversation, don't go in ill-prepared. I actually, before I get on any podcast, before I get on stage, before I walk into a room or a meeting, I you know, I do get a little bit of social anxiety. People will not even believe that when they meet me because I am so outgoing. But there's always just that little part of me that's like, are people going to like me? Or are they going to think I'm too much? That's just all wiring from my past. And also growing up in an all white town, being the one of, you know, one of only two Indian families, anytime I walk into a room that is predominantly white, that voice comes up. It's like a 12, 13 year old part of me that's like, all the white people going to hate us? Are they going to make fun of me? You know, because that comes back from childhood. So think about how many situations, y'all, you are not walking into because you are afraid and you are triggered by something that happened in your past. You're leaving money on the table. You're leaving opportunity on the table. You're leaving connection on the table because stuff from your past is showing up and those voices in your head are keeping you from fostering those connections, fostering those relationships, going after those opportunities. In those moments, that's when you can talk yourself off the ledge. Ashley, do you know how many times I've walked on stage or walked into a workshop and the audience is completely white? I'm being really honest. And I've had to talk myself, my 13-year-old self, not 40-year-old Voss. 40-year-old Voss is good with everybody. 13-year-old Voss is like, oh my God, we're back in middle school, walking into the cafeteria. These people aren't going to like us. So I've talked to myself and say, Voss, we're okay. We're not back there again. What do you need to feel good? What do you need to feel safe? And so I have that relationship with these different parts of myself that can flare up and get scared and keep me from doing the thing. Mm-hmm. So you got to learn to talk to, to those parts of yourself and soothe yourself. Like this all boils down to, so we, we, I know we talk a lot about emotional regulation. I'm speaking about verbal regulation that you can emotionally regulate by learning how to verbal, verbally regulate yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting too, because if you think about other modalities like tapping, there's an element of being verbal, saying like, I am safe. I accept Mm -hmm. myself and words have a vibration. They have an energy. And when you hear them out loud, especially from yourself, it's like we underestimate the power of that. Mm -hmm. I like to kind of be analytical, which in my meditation certification, um, one of the modalities of meditation I did not fully understand was the analytical one because Mm -hmm. very complex how, and those of you who don't know the meditation space, like I studied Tibetan meditation and there's fixed meditation, which is like just focusing on like peace or love. There's That's one approach. Another one that Buddha did was um, analytical, which was going into meditation to get an answer. Mm-hmm. So it's a very complicated process. Um, and they have a very clear way um, in Tibetan meditation of asking questions to yourself. But mm-hmm. I've learned that it works so much better for me out loud. Um, yes. because like being in my head, it just gets a little mushy in there. Yes. Um, and so I have been using Buddha's, um, talking out, you know, modality with, uh, making decisions, talking out loud. And one of the things that have been really helpful is being curious, right? Like, yes. okay, well, why do you feel that way? What, what have you seen or what have you experienced yes. that makes you feel like that? Another thing that I've learned is when I'm stressed, you know, sometimes we're not tuned into our bodies. We're like, we feel stressed and we're like, wow, I feel so stressed. It's like, that should be an alarm clock for all of us to be like, okay, what are we thinking right now? I always do this with myself. What am I thinking about right now that's making me so stressed? Does it deserve my stress? Mm-hmm. 80% of the time, no. 21 out of five times, I'm like, yeah, this is something I need to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So most of the time it's like, oh, I'm stressed because of that girl's energy at the grocery store. This doesn't deserve my stress. Like Mm -hmm. she can go be in her energy, like Mm -hmm. moving on. Um, Okay. So you have so many different things in your book. Um, And I love how you talk about the saying of it's not just what you say, but how you say it. Yeah. Um, why is this so important when it comes to talking to ourselves? I'm a huge tone person. You, you guys need to know that. My mother will admit that she was a very, she was very harsh growing up. But my, my, my mother was extremely harsh um, in her delivery. My father was not. So I am very sensitive, super sensitive to tone of voice um, with myself, with myself and with others. I, I, it's, it's not just what you say. It's how you say it. Now, here's the thing. You have to have enough trust with yourself the kind of tone that you use. So sometimes if I know I'm just being lazy and I know I got to walk, I'll say, Vas, get your ass up. I have a relationship with myself that I can say that to myself. I don't, I don't get hurt if I say, Vas, get your ass up, right? Like that's my relationship with me because I've learned how to speak to myself with certain tones of voice. Like here's the thing, certain tones of voice will lead to certain results. If I'm needing to rest and I'm using a harsh tone of voice, that does not feel good. So I use the tone of voice that I need to get the result that I want. If I am nervous about to get on stage or about to come on a podcast interview, I'm going to be more encouraging with myself. I'm going to be like, boss, you got this. Like, are you kidding me? This is not your first rodeo. Like, it's a very cool confidence, you know, uh, cool, confident type of tone of voice. So it does matter on for two reasons. Okay. Two reasons. Number one, be kind to yourself. Please don't be mean to yourself. That's just like universal. I think we all know that and tone of voice matters. And if you're not getting the results that you want, ask yourself, how am I speaking to myself straight up? Just ask yourself, how am I speaking to myself about this situation or person or difficult conversation? The other reason why understanding these different parts of yourself and being able to stand up to the voices in your head is because of this. We walk around, Ashley, so afraid of other people. I used to be very um, sensitive to and almost afraid of people who weren't warm and fuzzy. Like, I like warm and fuzzy. I mean, I think, you know, we both know our mutual friend, Sylvie. She is a warm and fuzzy kind of girl. I mean, she's made me a more sensitive person to myself. Yes, she is warm and fuzzy. But guess what? Not everyone is warm and fuzzy. And so when I would talk to people who weren't warm and fuzzy, I would feel some sort of way. I'd feel I'd feel crappy about myself. But here's the thing. When I addressed the not so warm and fuzzy part of me and I gave that part of me a little love, I stopped being so intimidated by other people who weren't warm and fuzzy because I realized, you know, they're not warm and fuzzy for a reason. I can have some empathy for them. So it helps for two reasons. It helps you with yourself being kinder to yourself. It also helps you to be less intimidated of other people because you understand where they're coming from. That doesn't mean you put up with their crap. I'm not telling you to just bend over and not have any boundaries. What I am saying, though, you have more understanding for other people and how they show up when you understand that same part of yourself within yourself. Mm, Okay, so... This book has so much praise, so much love, um, and so much energy that you've put in. And I know I was looking at your table of contents and just whizzing through, um, admitting things out loud, Mm -hmm. um, talking to your triggers out loud, changing the story you're telling yourself, asking your intuition out loud. People struggle with intuition. How does somebody know when they're talking to their actual intuition? 
I say in that chapter that the way to tap into your intuition is through silence, which is very funny because this book is all about saying it out loud, but it's really more about getting silent and paying attention to the sensations in your body. I feel like when we have certain sensations in our body, then, you know, these sensations travel to our mind. Our mind makes up a story about the sensations that we're experiencing. So if I get nervous about something, my mind might tell me, don't go down there, something bad's going to happen. And that's not always true. Just because you have a visceral reaction in your body doesn't necessarily mean the thing is dangerous. It could be tied to something from your past where you experience something similar. So in those moments, right, are you really being driven by fear or is that your intuition? And so we, we have to be able to silence ourselves and really feel what our body is saying to us through these sensations. My body speaks to me. I have given each part of my body a voice. Like when I had really bad neck pain a few months ago, I literally put my hand on that part of my neck and I was like, what do you need? I just like, please tell me what you need. I will give you whatever you need. And I just kept hearing frozen peas. We need some frozen peas. And like I, so I was able to communicate with that part of myself when it comes to my intuition it's not always going to speak to me in complete sentences. It's more of a feeling. It's more of a, uh-huh, okay. I, it's, more, it's not necessarily through actual words, but in my book, I say, in order for you to talk to you, your intuition and actually hear what your intuition has to say, you got to get quiet. You got to get quiet and, and, and you got to slow down and soften and pay attention and feel the sensations of your body. And one of the most powerful things I also saw um, you have in chapter seven, which is voicing your resistance out yeah. loud. Um, I, you know, anger is not a place I really go. It's not my go-to, you know, everybody kind of grabs different feelings off the shelf more often than others. It's like, I go for like anxiety and fear, but anger is just like not my flavor. I was angry this week, probably for the first time in like four or five years, like truly, like I was just pissed off. Mm -hmm. And I called my best friend and I was, it was like a family situation Mm. and somebody being not very responsive And I was just pissed off. And I was like, I'm angry. And my best friend was like, well, what is the anger saying? And I'm like, how dare you? I just went on and on and on. And my best friend goes, keep going. Nicole Napovar, who I talk about all the time. God, thank God. She's a therapist. Very useful. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And she's like, keep going. I'm like, and you this and you that. She's like, okay, how do you feel now? I'm like, whoa, I feel so much lighter. Yeah. Okay, so what we're hearing it's really about is this or that. And I think it's so powerful to realize how much comes out of your mouth that you don't even realize is going on in your head. So it's almost like you're putting a light on things that you don't even know are happening. Like what a cool, quick way to know what the hell is going on in your head. Um, You also talk about owning your flaws out loud, which just yesterday I looked in the mirror, I gained 10 pounds. um, And that is like, freshman 15 land for me of college. Like I've not seen this number on the scale since I like, and I didn't even drink in college freshman year. I just ate all the desserts, like, um, all you can eat in the cafeteria. Get that. Yeah. You know, it was just like, I gained 20 pounds of Rice Krispie treats, literally. So I looked in the mirror yesterday and I said to myself, like, you are all good 10 pounds up. And if you want to lose it, you can. Well, you know, I'm thinking about when I was a kid and I would be throwing a temper tantrum. I would hit myself as a child and my father would hold me and he would he would pet my hair like this. And he would just he would just say, it's okay, it's okay." His voice was so calming and soothing. And I'd immediately just start to melt and feel better. I will look that up and get back to you. I can imagine some form of dopamine or serotonin gets released when you're not in this fight or flight. 
And so, you know, I love that you looked in front of the mirror and you did that. And, you know, I actually recorded a podcast episode called Naked, where I was standing in front of the mirror, talking to myself out loud. And I was saying some really awful things about myself, but then I was able to shift that into more self-love. I love that you did that. And for anyone who feels kind of like, oh man, I'm not really maybe happy with my body or what's happened. Like, you know, for me personally, and I don't ever really talk about like weight and stuff like that, but I will just say this because I do think this has been a game changer for me. Like last March, I was the heaviest I'd ever been. Actually, it was, it was right around the time that I met you at my birthday. It's so odd that you say that because I, I, I mean, I hate to be so honest, but like, I would have noticed if you felt like you were really like, I don't know, you looked really fit to me in my head. Thank you. I, yeah. but I, yeah, but like, we know, you know, we know our body. Yeah, we know. Like, it's yeah, all yeah. our own little thing. Yeah. yeah. And also I, I do exude confidence. So maybe you don't even like think yeah, about it. Yeah, you freaking yeah. do, girl. Yeah. yeah, you do. So I've lost like at least, you know, about 15 to 18 pounds oh now. Oh my God, that's amazing. And I, and I want everyone to hear this. I swear, I, I looked in the mirror and I put my hands on the part of my body where I'm always the most self-conscious. It's always like my lower belly. I mean, you know, being Indian, all we eat is rice. I have like this nice Indian rice belly, you know, and I put my hand on this, on my belly. And I said, what do you want to say to me? And it said, I'm ready to let this weight go. I want mm-hmm. to be seen. And I had a conversation with these parts of my body and I just heard armor. This is armor. Mm-hmm. We're protecting ourselves. And so I asked, how do you want to feel? And my body said light. And mm-hmm. so from there on, there on out for the past year, every decision that I've made with food, with friends, with conversations, with how I want to feel in my body, even what time I eat, I stopped eating by 637 latest, is lightness. And mm-hmm. I heard that because I asked my body a question and I let that part of myself respond. And so that's how I did it. I mean, I don't do a lot of, I don't run marathons or do anything. I do 10K a day. I do bar class maybe two to three days a week and that's it. That's mm. what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. And I know that self-acceptance is like a marathon and not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And it's it's cool to hear that you kind of, and this is you, right? Like you don't like something or you're not happy about something, you change it. It is that simple, but it's not always that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know your last, your last chapter is to live your life out loud. And that sounds like that sounds like a different energy there. Like it's not just about talking out loud, but living out loud. So I wanted to end this episode on like, what does it mean for you to live out loud? And what would be your advice for other people to really do that? For me to live my life out loud is that I am not just showing you the parts of me that I want you to see. Um, I'm not just showing you what I think is acceptable. Um, The you know, the truth is I do struggle with bipolar disorder. I don't like to say that I struggle because I am someone who's like, I'm strong. I got this. But let me tell you something. I'm not always strong. Um, things are hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite proud of myself that I wrote a damn book with a mental illness. I don't know how the hell I did it. Not on meds, how I've been able the stuff that I've gone through and being able to do this, like it brings tears to my eyes. What I had to go through yeah. to learn this. So for me, living my life out loud is paying homage to God, paying homage to my higher power. I made a promise to God that if I if I got myself through the worst days that I would help another person. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm living my life out loud. But that includes sharing the stuff that I've been through, even though I've been through it already. 
to help another person who might be going through it. I don't think we're just here to take up space and consume. I believe that we are here to help other people. So we can't really do that if we're isolated. And so for me, living my life out loud is taking my suffering and sharing that out loud. It means suffering out loud and it means sharing my joy out loud. Now I'm in a season of sharing my joy out loud. But for people listening, they're like, how do I live my life out loud? Start with the little things. Start with like, wear what you want to wear. Do what you want to do. Like go order the thing that you like, go take, like go do the thing that you want to do. Allow yourself to experience your life. And by out loud, it's like, you don't need anyone's permission. Just go, just go be it, go do it, you know, and, and have the freedom to walk this earth without being so concerned about what other people are thinking and be more devoted to your, to your, to your mission, to your calling, to your purpose, than you are devoted to other people's opinions, Mm. period. Amen. Yeah. You are such a powerhouse. Where can everybody find you, learn from you, get started with the book, any of they that? Can, yes, all of it. So you guys can yeah. go to say, sayitoutloudbook.com. Uh, my website is vasavikumar.com. Don't forget to grab your bonuses. Uh, one of my favorite bonuses that I'm giving you is a gift to my virtual book club in June. So go to um, vasavikumar.com. Uh, forward slash order the book. And then on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram at my name is Vasavi. Also make sure you tag me and Ashley. If you love this episode, feel free to send me a voice note. Let me know which part of the episode you love the most. I respond back to almost every voice note. So Woo-hoo! thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.